This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by Wes Rucker, former Beer League softball champion and current former Tennessee pitcher, Will Heflin. That's right. I said Will Heflin is a current former Tennessee pitcher, which is probably not the correct English in words to use in that order. But I would also like to, to say spot the lie. I mean, he is a current former Tennessee pitcher which I, I think is, is very accurate. Uh, as you can tell, there's a lot going on with Tennessee baseball, and my mind is just absolutely jumbled up. I don't know what day it is. I had to ask the guys uh, who we discussed committing on the last podcast because that seems like three months ago. I thought things were going to slow down after Tennessee was eliminated in Omaha, uh, but it seems like my life has only been busier since Omaha. So uh, it, it's pretty clear how I'm doing with, with the way I'm rambling right now. So, Will, I'm, I'm going to shut up now and ask you how you're doing. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. And um, you're exactly right. It No rest for, for this coaching staff, and they are shaking and baking, making moves, um, and just doing their thing, doing what they do best, and that's bringing, bringing good talent to Lindsey Nelson Stadium. And uh, the young man we're going to discuss on this one is uh, no different from that. So, uh, Wes, how are you doing? I am incredibly exhausted, but good. Uh, it's we're recording this on Monday night, at like nine fifteen Eastern, and I spent the whole day uh, helping my dad do some stuff out at the farm, and then got back and like weeded and and mowed my own yard and did some stuff. And so, do you remember like the the two a days, like like the very, I don't know, did y'all do two a days when you when you played, or like did they have like a the acclimation period that they have now? Because it used to be just like you just started doing two a days, like when 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 camp started, and like the feeling that first day. When you were like, I'm gonna die. That's that's the feeling that I have right now. It's, it takes me Are you back talking to that about moment. For football or baseball? Uh, we didn't do two days for baseball. Like the first, like the the first, like preseason August, like football camp stuff. Where like you would, we started. They would just like do two days, like the first day, and because um, they were just savages in those days, I guess. And I was so, a backyard football champion, but I never played in high school. Well, I played until my back uh, – they told me my back was crooked and screwed up, and so I had to just play baseball year-round. But my point was I, I feel great, but I also feel like um, I am going to explode. I am very, very tired. Will, did, did, did you play football? I played uh, wide receiver and safety as a freshman, and then I didn't play uh, after that, focused on baseball. And then my senior year, I went and kicked and punted um, opposite of pitching, I could kick it at a country mile and had no clue where it was going. But in high school, if you put it in the end zone, it's a touchback. So I was, um, told to kick it really far and our 
kickoff return or kickoff coverage team never had to do anything. There you go. More Morristown West. Morristown West. We went uh ten and two. We lost to Sevier County in the playoffs, which fun fact was Chase Wallace's brother Deuce mm-hmm. at quarterback, former Tennessee pitcher Chase Chase Wallace, his brother Deuce went to Vanderbilt for football. Um, we'll forgive him for that, I guess. Jason and, Swain uh, would be uh disappointed in how you pronounce Vanderbilt, by the way. Why? He he <laughs> likes to Wes, do you know how Swain Van, likes to say it? Vander Vanderbilt. I've heard of he it. Likes to, he likes to, you know, Vander, Vanderbilt people are, are very fancy, so he likes to, to draw it out Vanderbilt. and say, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. He always stop. Every time I say it, I try to say it properly, he stops me. <laughs> well, that's where he played, and that's who we lost to when I was at the uh, the kicker on Morristown West Trojan football. Shout Chase out Chase Wallace, them. who is still in minor league baseball, by the way, uh, and had a nice outing over the weekend, I, I saw. Uh, shout out to uh, the Twitter account Vols in professional baseball, Vols in minor league baseball, Vols in pro I'm, ball or something like Vols in thank pro you. baseball. Yes, thank you. They they do a great job of of keeping track of yeah. uh, of all the guys. Uh, and boy, are there a lot. Uh, Hef I, and Wes, you you know this. Both of y'all know this as well as me. Uh, Pre Vitello, there's like three or four guys in professional baseball, <laughs> and not just like the big leagues, like the entire. Major League Baseball. It had gone down to like it had gotten down to like fifteen or something like that at one point. It was a really really low number for a while there because I remember I used to do it the 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 weekly stuff during the the summers by like tracking guys how they were doing, and I was like, this does is not taking as long to do as it used to. (laughs) This is now there's like thirty guys. Yeah, now it's a lot. Blade Tidwell is crushing it. Yes, people are not talking enough about. I mean, there are. We could have a whole. There's podcast. a lot of guys playing really I mean, well. Blade, but... Blade Tidwell, Jake Rucker is on a tear. Yep. Trey Lipscomb is on a tear. Garrett Stallings just got called up to AAA, and his first Sean AAA Hunley. start was awesome. Sean Hunley. Now I haven't checked Sean's. I know this sounds bad. You never look at just the stats, but that's really all you have to do when looking at minor league guys. I know his first outing or two in AAA was was did not go well. Has he kind of evened it out since? I'm, I know you've kept track better than I have. Yeah, he's Mr. Even Keel, so his numbers haven't um, completely reflected it, but he's kind of settling in. And he's also in the best the best minor league system, in my opinion. Tampa Bay Rays Look, do. Fantastic. They're, 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 machines. they're machines, man. Keep your facts to yourself, Will. As a Yankees fan, I'm already in disarray. Max Ferguson's playing with, with the Red Sox organization. Uh, he's in AAA, too, by the way. He had his first yes. AAA start. Uh, last night. Now that seemed more like a temporary thing because apparently the the Red Sox organization needed players on the AAA team. So we'll we'll see if he's able to stick. Hopefully he he's able to. Uh, but Fergie is with the Red Sox. Garrett Stallings and and Connor Pavelloni uh, are with the Orioles. Uh, Sean Hunley is with the Rays and uh, Ryan Spikes honorary VFL, much like Mookie Betts. He's in the Rays organization. Chad Dallas is shoving with, with the double-A team uh, for the Blue Jays. Forget Alec Manoa. They've got freaking Gilbert's Keith. in the Futures game. Yes, but he's not in the AL East is my point. As a Yankees fan, oh. I don't appreciate how many former Vols are in the AL East. I, I don't appreciate it. I had the Lee same Spence issue. Is with uh, Wes's Cubbies playing with the Smokies right now. Yeah, I had the same issue quickly when, uh, when also honorary VFL uh, Lane Thomas, who's now with the Nationals, um, 
and and and, and he and, and I and I that Lane and Nick Senzel both played with my brother growing up. Like I've known those kids since they were probably eight nine years old. They all played together with T with Todd Kelly Jr. and Blaze Taylor. They all played on the same teams, and uh, Senzel got drafted by the Reds, which was kind of sucked. But Lane Thomas got drafted by the freaking Cardinals. And I, I that night I, I sent her a message. I was like, "I'm sorry, kid. I love you, but now I hate you." And uh, but the, then he got traded uh, to the Nats, and I was like, "Okay, now I can love you again." So it's all good because I've not. I mean, since they were like little kids, you know, just it's awesome to see these kids kind of grow up in the game and do big things. I guess they were barely older than you, right, Heflin? When did you graduate high school? Uh, Sixteen. So Lane was a senior at Bearden my eighth grade year, but my mom taught at Bearden and my older brother. Um, no, Lane wasn't that much older than me. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Andrew Lee from Morristown West. Um, no, Lane was a one grade above me. Yeah, they were like 14 and or 15. He went in the fifth round or fourth round out of high school, yep. but now he's leading the Nats in average homers and RBIs, so the kid's just a walking barrel. Way to go. Way to go, Cardinals, you idiots. Just let him go. Now you suck. Oh. You suck something fierce. Well, we're not talking about the Cardinals after they took care of business against my Yankees uh, this this week. And the, the last non-serious thing before we get to serious things, I thought Hef and I were the same age. I graduated in 13 from high school, thought we were closer in age than than we actually are, uh, which does, does not make me feel great. Uh, and also, speaking of the, the Nationals, how about former National Bryce Harper in the news today because he's moving to Knoxville, apparently. That, that'll, be, that'll be pretty cool. Bryce Harper yes. walking around uh, a, a lot. Square. A lot of stuff happened apparently during when I when I was outside working today. Like uh, a lo- lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I was like, well, I, I Bryce Harper's here now. What the, he's moving yeah, here? That, what the hell? That's kind of odd. Like there has to be some sort of family thing because you know a couple of the immediate reactions were like, oh, it's for you know income savings and stuff like that. But like all those ball players, they get taxed everywhere they play, so it has nothing to do with where he lives. Um, as far as the money goes, but yeah, maybe he's just, I mean, Knoxville's a great place to live. Um, you know, when you have a $330 million guaranteed contract, it kind of seems like, Hey, you want to go live on the beach somewhere, but that's not for everybody. So Knoxville's a, a good spot for him, I guess. Who, maybe he wants to train with lane. I don't know. Who, who was the former uh, twins closer um, for a while? Uh, Joe Nathan. Yeah. Joe Nathan, Joe Nathan, uh, because of his wife or whatever moved, to mm-hmm. Knoxville and worked out there in the offseason. I remember that. Yep. And former uh sorry, sorry, Ben. Former Reds, Rangers, Brave, and Vanderbilt pitcher Mike Miner lives in Knoxville. Yep. Um, see him around every now and then at either Diamond or Armor Gym or wherever. Um, but even though he went there, he's an extremely nice guy and super prep professional and always kind of nice to the the younger baseball guys when we would run into him. I guarantee you we'll we'll see Bryce Harper up at the facility. Uh and, and I don't know. I think he it might just be a East Tennessee thing. Uh because I, I remember oh gosh, I maybe back in the fall or, or prior to this season starting. Remember Tony talked about it in, in a radio interview about Bryce Harper being a big fan of, of Tennessee baseball, loved Drew Gilbert and uh got to meet Tony and, and they kind of hit that, it off. That tracks. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> maybe he just recruited him here. He's got some eligibility. Left How old are his kids? How old are, does he have any kids? How old are they? What's going to be funny is Josh Elander and, and Tony Vitello uh, scheduling recruiting visits 
uh, on campus to to when uh, Bryce Harper is going to be using the facility and and, and walking around uh, the facility. But hey, honorary VFL, right? Only played JUCO, so that's true. He, 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 yeah, he, he, went, he, like, he went to the he wood was bat. like thirteen years old when he played in JUCO too. So he, yeah, he went to like a wood bat JUCO league too. I remember that. <laughs> All right, we need to talk legitimate Tennessee baseball, but it is the off season and we are off the rails. Uh, Tennessee is on the rails in the portal and continue to throw haymakers. The latest addition uh, is Ryan Galaney from Wofford. We alluded to this several times over the last week. Um, quite frankly, he committed about a week, week and a half ago. It, it was just a, a minute before uh, he announced, and he still technically has, has not tweeted anything. Uh, he, he did respond uh, to Griffin Merritt on Twitter. Uh, Griffin, I wrote a story on, on how Ryan Galaney – uh, ended up choosing the Vols in part because of Griffin's experience at Tennessee, and, and we can touch on that in a minute. Um, but I tweeted out that story. Griff quote tweeted it, and Ryan Galaney responded to to Griff's tweet. So that that's the only acknowledgement so far that from Ryan Galaney's end uh, that he has committed. But he he did shoot me a message yesterday when I tweeted out the news and was like, "Hey, you can put out that story that that you were working on." And I said, "Are you sure?" Uh, am I allowed to say that that you committed? And, and he was like, "Yeah, that's fine." I was like, "All right." Uh, it, it's it's very funny. Wes knows this because he he helps with football recruiting every now and then. the The difference in the accessibility with high school recruits, even the best and, ones, yes, and transfers. The transfers are so old and wise and know not to mess with us internet bloggers. Like they they try to get get around us now. I will say the crop so far um, for Tennessee this year, uh, Delaney, uh, Cannon Peebles, uh, and AJ Causey, the Jacksonville State kid, they've been real nice to me and and getting back and have been real polite. So I appreciate them. And, and Nate Sneed, uh, I'll have a story up on him in a couple of weeks. I, I reached out to him via text. He hit me back like a day or two later. It was like, hey. Um, can we hold off and, and do something when I get on campus here in a couple of weeks? I'm just kind of trying to focus on my summer and uh, and whatnot, but I'll, I'll be happy to talk to you once I get on campus. And so he's, he's very kind and polite in, in that sense as, as well. But like most of the times, or, or even with football especially, like the transfers want absolutely nothing to do uh, with media because they've been through it once and, and it's yep. polar opposite uh, of – uh, high school recruits, but nonetheless, uh, enough silly talk and stuff that doesn't matter for me. Uh, Ryan Galaney is an absolute stud. He can hit the ball a very, very long ways, and it, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword, Heflin. On on one hand, you're uber excited that you're getting Ryan Galaney. The kid absolutely rakes. He's a right-handed power bat. Uh, him hitting in Lindsey Nelson Stadium will be a lot of fun. But on the other hand, I don't know if he's actually going to make it to Lindsey Nelson Stadium because each day that passes, because he is crushing it in the Cape Cod right now, each day that passes, I feel less and less confident that he's actually going to make it to campus because of the draft. Well, that's just part of the game we play um, in our sport. He certainly is a guy that will have options and – those are the guys you want around on campus or on your team and also on campus. But ultimately it, it kind of makes it difficult. Um, and it's this way for high schoolers too. You just have to recruit as many good players as you can and then, and then see what happens. And at that point it's kind of out of your control when the draft rolls around, you just don't know 
what teams kind of value him where and, and what kind of money they'll have available and what kind of money he's going to want. Um, all that stuff kind of plays into it, but, you know, just for conversation's sake, let's assume that he's going to be a volunteer in the spring. It's um, it kind of checks the boxes that we were needing to be checked. Um, he's a great right-handed hitter. I think he had 17 homers this year. He hit well North of 300. He was the SoCon player of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So he just is um, kind of like Griffin Merritt part two. I mean, I'll take that all day long. And, you know, he's, he's kind of versatile in the field. So we'll see where he lands. I think um, he'll have, he'll have plenty of time in the fall to kind of move around and and see what sticks. But, you know, he's here because he's a a very powerful right-handed bat and seems to hit for average as well. So ho-hum, Tony Vitello and company go get another stud at the transfer portal, which kind of seems like a broken record. Um, to this point, hint, hint, there's probably more to come. Um, so things are going well, and the the snowball momentum is building. So, you know, I don't have a whole lot of crazy insight other than he's a really good player, and if he were to show up, then we would be happy to have him. Wes? Yeah, I think uh, Tony and his staff, and I don't know if they've done this intentionally, uh, I'm sure there's been some purpose to it, but they've gotten better in the past few years about getting guys who probably are good enough to go sign somewhere, but yet they're not like immediately like first, second, third round picks, and they can convince them to come. They've been getting better at that. They've had a couple ones like the kid a year ago who went top 10 overall. You take a couple of those guys just for the hell of it, right? It gets your name out there. You know, it gets the kid wearing your, your shirt for a while. It's cool, even if everyone knows this kid's never stepping foot on a college campus. You still take a couple of those guys. What, but what Tony and those guys have done, I think, really well is some of those other ones, like Burns. They were able to to work that one. Uh, Dryling, a guy who probably should have been drafted higher, or you should have been drafted and, and could have signed somewhere, but for whatever reason, got overlooked a little bit, and they got him in that way. Blake Burke, same deal. I don't know how in the world Blake Burke was not a bigger deal, maybe because it was the COVID year coming out of high school, playing at De La Freaking Sal and putting up the numbers he was and being as talented as he was. They have been really good about getting some of these guys who probably have been overlooked a little bit. And maybe this is one that until he was tearing up the Cape Cod, they could have done this again. Uh, now that he's ripping the Cod a new one, that, it's hard to – you know, you might not get him, but it's still good to get him. And when people talk about what position can he play, yada, yada, I don't care. And I don't think right now that I'm not going to speak for Tony and Elander and those guys. I don't think they care because what you're doing is you're accumulating talent and you're finding ways to put it together on the field. That's all that it matters. You know, if you have to move a couple guys to the outfield, whatever it is, Lindsey Nelson is not a huge park. Somebody can stick in left field and, and be serviceable there. They've done it before. They can do it again. Um, look at, like, Seth Stevenson playing out there. I mean, they can. It, you just get guys on campus and give yourself options. Because Tennessee, this season, what it did not have – and so desperately needed and maybe could have won a national championship if it had was a couple more right-handed bats that were good and could give you more options and not have as many lefty-lefty matchups. I know they said some guys could hit well against lefties, but and, and maybe they can, but it, it, there's just a few more righty bats. You, you could have done some pitch-hitting things late in games because there were times where maybe you'd like to hit for Scott or Stark, but you just can't because... 
you're still putting in like a, you'd be putting in a lefty against the lefty. Like you need options. Like LSU did not just win the title because it had like, you know, Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeen. That helped. But they also had some options, some pieces they could play off the bench, some guys that could move around. They had guys who would start for a while and then not start. They just had a few more dudes. And Tennessee just needs a few more dudes. And it goes from getting to Omaha to winning more in Omaha. So you just get the pieces and then let it figure it out later. And Tennessee wanted his bat first and, and foremost. He, he is a, a slugger. I asked him to describe himself as a hitter to me and he had one word dangerous that was the the word that he responded with and and rightfully so uh, his his numbers are, are through the roof uh and yeah it's at Wofford I asked if if there's any concern about him translating to the SEC and and Tennessee said absolutely not uh and I asked him to go a little more in depth on uh who he is as a hitter after he said dangerous uh, and and he said that we he loves to drive the ball when it when he gets a a pitch to hit he drives the ball he hits it hard and uh, he he can kind of hit to all fields can can really go to right center uh, Will knows this better than us but uh, he pointed out that Lindsey Nelson kind of plays to right center in, in a sense yes. and he he said that that actually uh, fits what he does well so uh, kind of an unorthodox right handed. Uh, slugger and Tennessee wants the bat and hopefully for Tennessee's sake they'll avoid the draft uh, and and he'll make it to campus being completely honest on July 3rd I don't feel super confident in him making it to campus just because again like I said uh, his his value and uh, his stock just continues to, to skyrocket because of what he's doing in the Cape Cod this summer he, he's been really really awesome uh, so he's kind of this year's version of of Reggie Crawford. Now, I'm not saying that he's being talked about as a first-round pick yeah. like Reggie Crawford. And, and Reggie Crawford was was more of an option than I think people realized because if he wasn't getting first-round money, then he was coming to Tennessee. He wanted first-round money, and he obviously got first-round money. He He wasn't wanting money just for the sake of wanting money. He was perfectly content with coming to Tennessee and, and trusting Tennessee and, and how they – how they would use him, but obviously he was a first-round pick and ended up getting first-round money. So I, I don't want to say that he's as much of a, a draft risk as uh, Crawford was last year, but it, Galaney's a significant one, and uh, quite honestly, I, I don't have a ton of confidence uh, that he will make it to campus. But if he does, the position doesn't really matter. Will, he is exactly like Griffin Merritt, uh, that veteran bat. The, the difference is he is slightly more athletic and he'll be able to play either corner infield spot, third base to first base and either corner outfield spot in left field or right field. He started at first base this past season for Wofford and started at third base two seasons ago. And so everybody's saying infield, 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 and that may be what he does best, but he's athletic enough. And like Wes pointed out, the outfield at Lindsey Nelson stadium isn't, just a ginormous outfield. It's not Omaha. It's not Hoover. Like you, you can, you can put um, just enough athletic guys out there and, and they'll be perfectly fine as long as they can see ball, catch ball, uh, essentially. I know it's not that simplistic, but just trying to make it at least a little simplistic. He's athletic enough to, to play in the outfield. They wanted his bat. And, and if, if it gets to campus, 
the, this Tennessee lineup, when you pair it with with Peebles and and you pair it with Burke and 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 Moore, um, I'm Hunter Ensley, who I think will have another strong year next year. Hopefully, Dylan Dryling, Kavars Tears, Reese Chapman, they take a step forward. Uh, and and I don't think Tennessee's done at the plate in the portal either. This is one heck of a bat to to add. It is, and to your point um, about right center is Lindsey Nelson does play to right center. It's a touch shorter than it is to left center. Um, and it just seems to carry there, but it's really interesting when he talks about his approach being kind of that oppo power um, reminds me of Trey Lipscomb who had 24 yaks uh, last year in 22. A lot of those were, were opposite field. He was, you know, hitting himself in the face on the scoreboard with the baseball and, when Jordan Beck was going really well, he could absolutely obliterate a baseball to opposite field. Um, and just you your generic, Christian Moore at Clemson, opposite Christian, way, opposite well, way. Yeah, Christian Moore your, is your current example. I mean, when he's going well, it's right center for days. Um, and, you know, I hate bringing them up again, but Dylan Cruz and Tommy White are two of the best guys you'll ever see at hitting the ball the other way. And that's typically where guys will get pitched if – they're seen as a big power threat, right? Is is flip a slider away or or a lefty will try to go change up away. So if you've got a guy who can run the ball out of the yard the other way, it just it's it's very it's not surprising that he is being talked about as a draft prospect, especially when he's tearing it up in the Cape Cod League. For those that don't know, it's the premier 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 summer baseball. Um, destination. So many big leaguers have come out of there. If you perform well there, you don't go under the radar. So, you know, it's kind of like a good for him, but dang, why can't you just, you know, strike out a couple times and then get hot when you get back or something? And, I mean, and a lot of wish. people, a lot of people go up there and maybe Galaney is doing this, but Wes, a lot of people go up to the Cape Cod if if they're hoping to to enter not enter the draft, it's not like the NBA or NFL. We all know the MLB draft is quirky, but if it, just to simplify it, if they are looking to enter the draft and, and stay in the draft, they'll go up to the Cape Cod, hope that they show well, raise their draft stock. Uh, like I think a, a good example of this right now, and to be quite honest, I haven't checked on how he is doing, but I think Zach Joyce is doing exactly that. Zach Joyce hopes that he can get drafted. Um, and if he is performing well right now, again, I, I should have looked looked him up. I'll do this while Wes is talking, but I, I think Zach Joyce went up to the to the Cape Cod this summer with the hopes of improving his draft profile and getting signed uh, here in uh, a week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a pretty common thing that, and everyone knows this, or most most people do, anyways. It, it's there are the year you have leverage is usually the year most guys go because you're getting. You know, teams can't kind of rake you over the coals and be like, okay, then don't sign. And what are you going to do? You know, if you if you have two years of eligibility left, that's the absolute best time to get drafted because, you know, or even better if you're some one of those rare kids like Tidwell or, or Dryling will be next year who will be a draft-eligible sophomore. You know, you get you have a lot of leverage to tell a team, listen, if you don't hit this number that I want you to hit, I'm not signing. Um, and, and so it makes sense. That's why you go – earlier. I mean, I think most people know that, but the point about Cruz, his, I don't know how many home runs he hit this year. I'm I'm assuming 20, 22, somewhere in that range. Only four of them were actually to left field proper. Like everything else, the rest of the 18 or whatever 
were either like center, you know, left, left center, or to the right field corner. And the one he hit against Sewell, who, you know, Cam, who we had on the podcast, that, that one, another one, he hit, you know, no one could get the ball through the wind. When the park is playing that way, you just couldn't get it through the wind. You had to hit it twice. Um, but Cruz found one spot there in the corner where he could get it out, and it was a, a, a man's shot to do it. So um, it, if this kid comes to Tennessee, that is great. If not, it's not the end of the world, but it, it certainly helps quite a bit if he goes there. And I think in general – the point that I would make about the portal just overall, and I agree Tennessee's most likely not done in the portal right now, uh, is that it's a really big statement of intent that, hey, um, by the way, this thing isn't going anywhere. Like, it's not like, you know, Tony got there, got to Omaha, won a game, and he's like, oh, okay, good, now I can relax a little bit. Like, he's nuts, man. He's not going to stop. Even if he wins a title, he's not going to stop. This guy and his staff are going to recruit. They're going to look under every rock, under every bush. They're going to push every button that can be pushed. Uh, again, going back to what Cam Sewell said last week with us, it, it's no one knows how he's able to recruit as much as he is um, because he this game is his life. He is, he is giving everything he has to it, and they realize how close they've been the past few years to winning the whole thing. And it just it's it seems to me like it's this sort of desire to build a team that has an even better shot of winning it. Like he's he's not getting, you know, more he's getting more money, the stadium's going to get nicer, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, he's just a guy who is not going to stop recruiting baseball players and giving Tennessee a better and better roster. Will Will knows this. Tony Vitello is the ultimate competitor. Um that that guy wants to win. I'm going to say it all costs in a positive way not not in the sense of, of he's cheating and and doing doing all those types of things that uh, that opposing fans think that he is doing but uh he is passionate uh he does not settle uh and lord have mercy harrison better just hit an absolute bomb thank you uh cardinals for that player um to 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 take the lead over the Orioles, so that's why I'm a little more excited because the Yankees stink this year. Uh, but Tony Vitello is the ultimate competitor, uh, and winning is his motivation. Um, he, he is truly married to the game. I, I know that's like a, a running joke amongst Tennessee fans because he is good-looking and, and single, um, but um, he's just super passionate about what he does and uh, the ultimate competitor, which is why you see some things bleed over further than they should at, at times because he's, he is such a – uh, competitor. The last thing I want to say on Galaney is uh, the Griffin merit aspect. And again, I, I wrote a story. It's up on the site. I've tweeted it a couple of times since I, I posted it. Uh, I, I'm, I think I have it scheduled to, to tweet out two more times the next two days. Um, but I, I thought it was really cool how Griffin merit only at Tennessee for a year and is still having an impact because, and I assume that Galaney was being truthful to me telling this story, but uh, he is also from Ohio, just like Griff is, and they grew up playing against one another. And as he should, like if you're trying to make a, a life-changing decision, you should reach out to people that you know, if you know people that have been in that same situation. And obviously Griff took a, a chance on Tennessee, uh, picked Tennessee over Arkansas and Oklahoma State and several big-time programs around the country. Um, and, and so Galaney reached out to him because he knew him and Griff got emotional. Well, first, they talked leading into the Clemson Regional, and then they talked again after Griff got back from Omaha, and, and Griff got emotional talking about his time at Tennessee, and uh, Galaney's point was, 
I know how great of a dude Griffin Merritt is. And if his short time at Tennessee touched him that much and he was that passionate about his time and that emotional about his time at Tennessee, then how could I pass up on the opportunity to follow in his same footsteps? So, uh, Will, I'm, I'm sure, not sure you can speak to the Tony Vitello effect in that realm. I, I thought that was really, really cool uh, how how Griff was still able to have an impact for, for Tennessee because it, it seems like he played a, a nice role in, in helping land Ryan Galaney. Yeah, his VFL card was approved immediately, um, but he did a lot not only for the team but for the program, and he just – he's kind of one of those guys that you look to as, as a good – image of, of what it's really supposed to look like in terms of how you conduct yourself and how you um, approach the game and, and how you hold hold yourself and your team accountable in the locker room, whatever, whatever that may be. Um, and so it obviously is, is near and dear to his heart after just one short season and people that he's close to, that's going to rub off on as well. So it's, it kind of reminds me of the Drew Beam thing if um, with, with Causey. If, you know, if Galaney's buddies with Merritt, then he's probably a guy that we want around. Um, same as Kazi from, from Jacksonville State, uh, knowing Drew Beam, because it's just two guys that really are, are program guys, one, but also extremely talented. So if they're, if they're putting their stamp on a guy, then it's probably worth its while. Yeah, I think people know a little bit about this, but everything Griffin Merritt turned down to to spend one season at Tennessee. Uh, it's pretty remarkable uh, when you put it all together. This guy is a Cincinnati native who grew up in Cincinnati. Obviously, he won. He played for the Bearcats for four years. He was a really good player there. Um, his brother was going to be, was a freshman on the team this season at Cincinnati. He had a chance to stay at his kind of hometown school, play college baseball with his younger brother and his long-term girlfriend, still is in Cincinnati and he's by the way, he's going to go to dental school when he's done. And he turned down all of that to spend one season at Tennessee. So you talk about a guy who had options and not just in baseball beyond baseball and still wanted to come to Tennessee. So it meant a lot to him when a guy like that in that position says the kind of things he says about a program, people should listen because this guy had every reason in the world to stay home for another year, like kind of stay in that cocoon because he was kind of the king of the of the jungle there. And he comes to Tennessee and risks a lot, um, but he wouldn't have had it any other way. He ended up having, you know, he still gets a little emotional when he talks about Tennessee. You saw after the game, I mean, the the, the loss in, in Omaha, how it, it affected a lot of people, you know, it affected, so it affects everybody, Dickie, all the guys, you know, who know it's their last time playing for Tennessee and but but Merritt was kind of torn up and, and you could just kind of see how much it meant to him. And so, yeah, I mean, I, for a guy like that, um, if someone wants to get advice from someone like that and wants to listen to something that guy has to say and gets approved by that guy. Yeah, that's probably a guy that you want in your clubhouse. That's a guy that you want in your foxhole. That's a guy you want to go fight with. That's my guess. I don't know anything about Galaney other than I know um, pe- people make the jump from Juco all the time. Uh, so it's not that big of a deal. But Wofford, at least a couple years ago, was still the smallest Division One school 
in the country. It's got like 1,100 students or something like that. It's crazy small. And I've covered football games there. And their stadium, it's it's nice and new, but it's like a high school, big high school stadium, basically. It, it's, it's a small place over there. Uh, and so being at Tennessee will be a big jump, but guys make the jump every year playing from, you know, in front of 50 and 75 people at a JUCO game. So that's probably not that big of a deal, but it is something to watch. It is certainly something to watch. I think he'll fit in just fine. That that bat, to me, uh, it, it translates just about anywhere. Uh, and I think there's a reason that uh, MLB teams, professional organizations, are, are after him hard or will strongly consider him uh, here this upcoming weekend and into Monday and Tuesday as the MLB draft unfolds. Now, uh, the good news is I, I don't think Tennessee's done adding – uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, there, there are two bats that, that I am really keeping an eye on right now. Uh, the first one being the bat that everybody is keeping an eye on, uh, and that is Billy Amick from Clemson. Uh, first base, third base, could catch, uh, but also kind of fits the the Ryan Galaney mold of the dude just slugs uh, and hit over 400 this past season. Only had 13 home runs, but he didn't become a starter until midway through March. Uh, and hit a walk-off grand slam in some random non-conference game, and that kind of cemented his spot as a starter, and he took it and ran with it. Um, an All-American, if you look at collegiate baseball, uh, All-ACC first team, he, he has a really, really impressive bat. Uh, and obviously Tennessee fans are very familiar with his name because they heard his name when everybody who covers Tennessee was previewing the Clemson Regional. Uh, and that is one that Tennessee has been in since the beginning, been in the thick of it since the beginning, uh, is from South Carolina, so obviously has South Carolina ties. Uh, South Carolina is one that he is considering. Uh, Florida is one that he is considering. Uh, and Texas A&M is also one that he is considering. So uh, I really like where Tennessee sits. Uh, his visit at the end of this past week went really, 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 really well. And he went to Florida after Tennessee's visit. Uh, and I would expect a decision sometime in the near future uh, unless something changes. Uh, Wes mentioned earlier, we're recording this on, on Monday night. Uh, by the time that this is published, uh, he, he could have already popped. Uh, it, it could also be Wednesday or Thursday before he pops. But I, I do think uh, it, it is it is something that, that will happen soon in terms of him making a decision or announcing a decision. I feel like it is a, a Tennessee-Florida battle, and I, I like where, where Tennessee sits uh, as this thing starts to, to come to a close. The other name is Dalton Bargo, kind of a, a newer name. I believe I mentioned him on one of the three podcasts that we recorded last week. Uh, he is a Missouri transfer, uh, was a true freshman this past season at Missouri. Uh, I, I could not find a statistic on Missouri's website where it stated how many times each player started at each position. I believe that he was only the designated hitter for Missouri when he played last year, started 45 games, played in 50 of them, uh, hit around 270, hit five home runs, drove in about 25 uh, runs uh, as RBIs. And uh, he, he's a, a bat, uh, a lefty from the left side of the plate that, that has more pop than I think the numbers indicate. Uh, just looking at some of his swings. And uh, I, I know Tennessee fans will be happy to see the home run, not the home run, the bomb that he hit off of Chase Burns in Missouri in the middle of March. Obviously wasn't happy at the time. Uh, Bargo actually went like four for 10 with 
several ribbies and run scored and, and a double and, and an absolute tank off of Chase Burns. So I think that's another one to watch. He was on campus uh, late last week uh, for a visit. He's playing up in the Appy League up for the Kingsport Mets, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but up, up there in the Appy League. So he was able to get down here on a day off, and I believe he really, really enjoyed his visit. So uh, Billy Amick and Dalton Bargo, th- those are the two names that I'm really, really watching for at this point, and, and I think – both of those guys could come to a decision here in the very, very near future. The last name to, to mention is Luke Holman. Not much of an update there. He made the Team USA team and is pitching for Team USA. Actually started tonight. Don't know how that start went. Drew Beam did good in his start uh, a day or so ago. Um, but Luke Holman with Team USA and his dad has said publicly that they'll start to get into his recruitment once they finish up with Team USA, which I believe is July 12th. Uh, so it, it's going to be a minute. And they – currently have plans to visit a, a ton of schools, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Arkansas, LSU, A&M. We'll see if that actually happens. Um, but I know Tennessee was was one of the main players for him when he immediately went in the portal, uh, and he had a ton of interest in, in Tennessee as well. Uh, so Tennessee will be swimming with the Sharks in that one. They've done well swimming with the Sharks uh, this offseason to this point, and uh, the moment there's an update to be given on Holman or, or any of the other guys. We will certainly have one at GoVols247.com. This is not just a portal reaction podcast to Ryan Galaney committing uh, to Tennessee. And and I meant to mention this earlier. This is actually the last thing I have on Galaney. Uh, speaking of schools that, that he was considering, he chose Tennessee over Louisville and Texas, which two pretty good baseball programs, I think. Uh, and also SEC schools such as Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Georgia, and Kentucky. So Tennessee swam with the Sharks uh, for Ryan Galaney there and uh, was able to to escape the, the jaws of defeat there. Uh, but we do need to talk about Lindsey Nelson Stadium because Lindsey Nelson Stadium is going to look very, very different in the near future and may also have a different name at some point. Need to discuss that. So we will do that here in just a minute after this break. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Diamond Vols podcast. I am Ben McKee, joined by Wes Rucker and Will Heflin, discussing Ryan Galaney committing to Tennessee and also reacting to the $100 million that is soon to be poured into Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Before we get into the conversation about Lindsey Nelson Stadium, 
would like to encourage you to go like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Wes tells me that the numbers and interactions with the pod have been good the last several weeks and, and throughout the season. So do want to thank everybody for giving us your ears and supporting the podcast. It, it means more than you know, and a, a kind way, simple way to to continue to support the podcast and, and not just the Diamond Vols podcast that is kind of its own entity on Go Vols 24-7's podcast feed, but also all the other football podcasts and, and basketball podcasts we do throughout the year, liking, rating, and reviewing the podcast and sharing the podcast with your friends uh, helps us out more than you know, and and we would greatly appreciate that. Will, I'm going to turn this over to you to, to talk about the Neyland Stadium renovations. It, it kind of speaks for itself. What's the number? 96.8 West. That's technically going in or 98.6, something like that. Somewhere around there. The simple thing to say is 100 mil is is going into the facility. Uh, it's going to look so different. The renderings look awesome. Uh, this offseason, the, the plan is to extend the seating down the left field line. I believe we mentioned that on a podcast last week. Uh, they're also going to spoof up the, the right field entrance for players and, and recruits. Uh, and and they're going to piecemeal this thing. It's not going to be done in one offseason because we all know how tight UT's campus is. You can't build a brand new stadium. You, you got to you got to renovate, and that's what they're going to do these next several off seasons. And I, I think kind of the renovations. Uh, please, Wes and Will, share your thoughts on what it looks like. I, I think it's going to be absolutely awesome. Uh, I can't wait to cover games in there. Uh, my my first thought when I saw the renderings was, man, how cool would that have been to see Drew Gilbert's walk-off Grand Slam in that venue? Like, I can't wait for postseason NCAA tournament games in a renovated Lindsey Nelson Stadium. But I think the first talking point, Will, is yourself, you and your teammates, the guys that you played with, uh, both the the 2018-2019 the team that got back to the NCAA tournament, uh, your Omaha team, uh, and even kind of this core of guys that, that are finishing up right now, you all must feel a ton of pride in in the recent news because, uh, yes, Tony Vitello gets the headlines and, and gets the congratulatory comments and, and whatnot. But, man, you, you all, yourself, Sean Hunley, Redmond Walsh, Connor Pavoloni, Jake Rucker, Max Ferguson, Liam Spence, uh, I want to go even back further than that, uh, Garrett Stallings, guys like that yourself i mean you all helped build this thing and this brand new lindsey nelson stadium that that's going to fit up to 7500 people after standing room only you all have as much to do with the 100 million being poured into the facility uh, as the coaches and the fans that showed up to support the last several years as well yeah and i'm with you the renderings whether it's ai or however the heck they made those um, they look sweet and just looks like an awesome environment. And, you know, it'll, it'll be extremely fulfilling to step into the ballpark and see that um, kind of each time, like this year, it was the the porch. And when I went to the first game there this year, it was kind of like, wow, that looks cool. And every time you see something go up, you, you kind of just feel a little sense of, um, Hey, this place is, is starting to look different. There's just, there's product on the field and we're seeing some changes around here and, and we played a role in that. So it's um, fulfilling is the word for me. And I just, I'm excited to to step into the ballpark and be really proud of what we have there. And I think I share that sentiment with others who are going to watch games um, and want to be in a, in a great Tennessee environment, like something like Thompson bowling arena arena or Neyland stadium, because 
you know, this is this is a top tier fan base in the country. And if you have something nice for this fan base to gather in, they will and they will cheer loudly and the teams will benefit from it. Um, and so you need it. You need a stadium to match that energy and match that passion. And um, it's just going to look beautiful. You can uh, you can wear orange, you can wear white, you can wear black, whatever you want to wear. Um we can do crazy designs with, with the new sections, whatever you want to do. I'm all for that kind of stuff, but it's just awesome. I think, I think more people is needed and a new environment um, with, with nicer press boxes and, and et cetera. And um, the patio area that'll be um, down the road a little bit, kind of in the left field corner looks awesome. And I just think I can see it now postseason baseball, like you said, Ben, with just packed out seats and then standing room packed out. Um, it'll kind of be interesting to see what the total number actually is in that place. Cause I think it may end up being a little higher than 7,500. Um, if those tickets start going for what postseason Tennessee baseball tickets start going for, they say, uh, they say there's going to be 6,300 seats. And then Wes, if you can remember from the story that I wrote late last week or will, I, I think would they say 76, 7,500 after standing there about only that was about the number. Yeah. But I, I'm with will like one, once uh, the, these tickets start getting sold, but I know you're also excited will that there will be more tickets because it, it has not been easy to get into the stadium. Wes, Wes and I have, have had issues elsewhere, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, looking at you, uh, but at, in, in Knoxville, we, we've been in the building for free and not had to worry about getting in the building Whereas, unfortunately, even a former player like yourself has had to worry about getting into the building. Yeah, it's it doesn't come easy, especially when when everybody and their brother wants to go. So that's kind of that's good. We don't we don't miss dress like a seat night from from the earlier days when it was friends and family only. We used to make a joke during stretch time when nobody was in the stadiums. We we're like, let them in. They're all outside. <laughs> like, why well, we got the gates closed? It's like gates aren't closed. Um, so it's different times, but for, for much better and, and onward and up, upward, however you want to say it. Yeah, it was, um, basically it, it was the, uh, COVID crowds before COVID is what <laughs> it, it was for a little bit there. But I, I, I think it's, it's important that I think they're doing this the right way because, and I think Vitello and the other guys get some, get some credit for this too, for saying, listen, let's not go crazy with the seat numbers just yet. Like, let you know, because the thing that Vitello mentions this a lot, and I think it's true, Ben, you and I have been, and Will obviously has been to a lot of the ballparks around the SEC. And a lot of Tennessee's one of the more interesting ones in terms of the fans being almost right on top of you. It feels like everyone who is in the stadium is on top of the field. And it creates like a real kind of viper's nest kind of or hornet's nest kind of mentality where it's just venomous and it's small and everybody's on top of you and getting in your business. And that is something that I think plays well into Tennessee's sort of vibe. Like it's a hostile place to come if you're not, you know, playing for or coaching Tennessee. Like it's not a friendly, you know, they, they say the friendliest ballpark in America is where the Smokies play now. Like the, the Nunsey Nelson is not the friendliest ballpark in America. Like it's just not. And that's fine. That's fine. Um, but I think Vitello said as much as they were building this thing, they wanted to keep that men, that keep that vibe, keep that vibe where the people who were there 
are right on top of you. So if you're going to add more seats, still keep them as close as you can. Go anywhere around the field you can. Just keep people right on top of you. And I think that is really important. And you also don't want to go crazy and build like twelve or 13,000 people now because there's going to be some midweek games when it's early in the year and it's cold that's not going to look great. It's just not like it. There are games, even as great as Alex Box is, there are places like times early in the year where it's like, eh, where they have to play it here. Like it's, there's not a ton of people, you know, like it just happens. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't get warm here until later in the year. And for midweek games, they start early and it just is what it is. I think the size that they're looking at right now for this, this version of the renovation, 6,300 with a 7,500, 7,600, I think that's important and just make it as nice as it can be. Make it really, really nice. Not like where, you know, it's like made of marble or anything, but you just want like what you have to look nice. You want that to for, for players to come visit. And because of the turf field now, they can have some of the showcase events and other stuff throughout the summer and not worry about the field. You want it to look good when those people come through, when other people are playing high school games there. Like you want it to be a place, like a destination type place where people want to go play baseball. Um, because you're going to be swimming with the Sharks and recruiting. You're going to be going for the best guys. So you want, if you're not going to have the biggest stadium, and you're not, because guess what? Mississippi State and Arkansas, for it's, it's embedded deeply in their culture. They're just, places like that are just going to have more people right now at the games. Uh, and that's okay, um, because Tennessee Stadium, Lindsey Nelson, or whatever it's going to be named later, hopefully not something stupid like the O-Dome is named now. But, or like Kroger Field. Yeah, or like, yeah, like it's, 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 all, it's always Commonwealth Stadium to me. And they can call it the uh, exec tech arena all they want. It's the freaking O-Dome. I know what it is. Um, but I just think it's important that they're, and it's good that they're focusing on making it as nice as possible before they make it as big as possible because that is really important. And I don't think you want to get rid of the vibe that's in that park. No, and, and that's why they... Uh, have have set the number between seven and eight thousand, whatever it'll end up being. Now, Wes, uh, I'll push back on one of the the comments that you said, and, and not necessarily like disagree with you because I know that you're you're going to agree with me what I'm about to say. At least I think that you will. But th- there are some people who, and and those who even cover Tennessee athletics in general, I, I think some people are reluctant to to realize or being hard-headed uh, in the realization that baseball has passed basketball at, at this point, the the interest, and that that is no disrespect to the basketball program. I, I thoroughly enjoy covering them. I, I love covering SEC basketball. It, it has nothing to do with them. I just have an overall opinion that baseball is more popular in the South than basketball. And all, all it took was Tony Vitello or, or somebody – I don't want to refer to Tennessee as a sleeping giant in the sense of like they're LSU all of a sudden, but I do think Tennessee baseball is a little bit of a sleeping giant and not enough people realize that just look at the resources that a place like the university of Tennessee has and look at the talent within the state of Tennessee, especially in Nashville, which is one of the the most rapidly growing cities in the entire country, if not the fastest growing city in, in the entire country, like baseball in the South is, is, has always been a priority. Anybody who played baseball in the South understands that. And I think at a place like Tennessee, and I, I realize that the, the frustrations of, of maybe the past season or so of, of basketball has something to do with that. But I'm not even speaking to like where the baseball team currently is and where the basketball team currently is. I'm speaking just baseball interest, 
basketball interest. Baseball has greater interest in the South than it does basketball. And now this does have something to do with maybe this past basketball season or two being a little frustrating. Wes, you see it on the site. The the baseball numbers far surpass the basketball numbers, at least this cycle with transfers and commitments, people asking me questions, whether it be in my mentions on Twitter, my DMs on the message board. Baseball has surpassed basketball, and some people I think are reluctant to to maybe realize that and acknowledge that. And again, I want to emphasize that has nothing to do with the basketball program itself. I, I think it's great. It has a, a lot more support than, than people want to give credit. I, I fight that battle during basketball season, as Wes knows w- with others. Uh, but I, I simply put, baseball has more interest in the South than, than basketball in most parts outside of like Memphis and, and Kentucky basketball. But my my point that I'm getting to is that you you don't need a, a thirteen thousand Mississippi State stadium, but I I heard some talking like Tennessee shouldn't go past six thousand, and I, no. I thought that was a little ridiculous because there's far more interest that that can serve the purpose of six thousand, uh, even when Tennessee's not the hottest thing going like maybe they've been the, the last couple of years. But I, I do think they hit the nail on the head by not tweaking the hornet's nest vibe too much. That's something that Ryan Galaney pointed out to me because he he and Wofford came and played here this past season in a midweek game, and I asked him, hey, what do you remember about playing uh, at Lindsey Nelson? And after he got done talking about Rocky Top being played too much, and, and now he's excited to hear Rocky Top played too much, uh, he mentioned that he remembered being in the dugout and, and feeling like the fans were on top of him. And, and you go out on the field and it feels like the fans are, are right on top of you. Uh, and that's why Trey Morgan had some comments about Lindsey Nelson back uh, during Will's season in, in 21. And, and some of those other LSU players like Paul Maneri had some weird comments uh, as well. I'm glad that they that they kind of kept the Hornets Nest yes. vibe, but also increased capacity by a, I'd say pretty significant amount, Wes. Again, it's not ten thousand, thirteen thousand, but going from forty two hundred to seventy five hundred, three thousand seats. That that's a lot for baseball. And I think yes, midweek games early in the year, maybe some early season conference games when it's cold and rainy. Yes, there will be empty seats. But I think for the most part, Tennessee will not have an issue at all filling those stands. No, because until until Texas comes into the league, Tennessee is the l- second largest metro area in the SEC. Only Vanderbilt is bigger. And in Vanderbilt's – so, like, the two biggest markets, in, like, in the SEC in terms of, like, where the schools actually are, are both University of Tennessee towns. So I, that's something that I think people lose track of, too, is, is that Metro Knoxville and Metro Metro Nashville together is, what, like, 3 million people, whatever, something like that. Like, and those, those are those – are, um, the, those are Tennessee people by and large. Uh, my, my only point was that I I have said for basically the entire time I've covered Tennessee that there's not a more disrespected or more underrepresented or, or under underrespected uh, category of fans out there than than Tennessee basketball fans because for years they have been in the top 10 nationally in attendance like every year and people just forget that or just like don't acknowledge that. And so I think that's important because that you know we'll, we'll see where Tennessee ends up being in baseball in terms of the of the the when this park gets bigger where they go in terms of the national attendance and all that. Um, I, I I don't look at it so much as a competition as saying like I think they have room easily for both because this is a big enough city. There's enough people and they can they have enough interest. But I also remember like when um, 
when Bruce Pearl was first coaching basketball at Tennessee. And for a while there, no one can tell me otherwise. I was there. Basketball got more popular than football for a little bit. It just absolutely did. I was here. I can't, I, I cannot be told otherwise. I lived in this town. I covered both of them. I felt those years. I knew what it was. And that when, that's when, you know, the, when, when Bruce Pearl was sort of in the role Vitello is now, where he's like the, the unofficial king of town and can do whatever he wants, basically in a way that, that, that sort of cult of personality has come back now for the for the baseball team, and it's not there as much for the basketball team because they got a different kind of vibe. They got kind of like the the down home like family. Rick gets his kind of guys, you know. But when you look at the success, getting to Omaha is what one step further than the Sweet Sixteen in terms of so so they're both winning at a pretty consistent level. And, and I, I just. I, my point is, for, for whatever reason, for generations out there now, it seems like for a couple decades, in places like State and LSU, like it's just like the thing to do. And Tennessee keeps going at this pace. It's going to become like, you know, the thing to do because it's getting close to that now. So I, I just I think it's important to keep the, the vibe of the stadium what it is for now. And also um, make sure there's enough places for people to park to get to the freaking stadium. Because if they put another building there behind right field, which they're going to do, they're you know if they're going to put a dorm in there in right field, like and and it's going to have like the some sort of a turf facility underneath it, like that's their plan for a few years from now. I, if people are going to swim over to the park, like I will we'll see, I guess. But you know that's a problem to have later. But I just think it's important to you know don't get too far ahead of your skis, and I don't mean that in any way to to minimize what this fan base is. I, I'm very much a believer that the, the Tennessee fan base can support multiple sports at a high level consistently because this town and this area and this community will do that. I'm just saying I like where they're building it up to now, and I think that's better than going like ten or 12,000 right now. I think it's important because of the size of the stadium and the where it is, just make it as nice as possible first. But when you're building it, Keep in mind that you might be building something on top of it later. That's okay. You can do that. You can do that. You can put, you can keep stacking it up. That's all right. They've done it with the porches. You can do it other places too. You can build it up a little bit. Yeah. And, and Will, before I throw it to you, like I, I, I want to emphasize for a third time that I, I'm not trying to take a dump on the basketball program or, or it, smell, it smells like you did. Well, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm my, I'm my, more my point was that there are some that were, um, shrugging off the baseball program as if it, it could not support uh, a, a stadium of even like 7,000, 8,000, and like it didn't need to go over 5,500 or 6,000. And in my head, I'm thinking, are you not paying attention? Which, granted, these people don't pay attention to, to baseball, so maybe I should ignore them and, and not bring them up on, on this podcast. But that, that's more so my point is like there are still people that – and I get it. Baseball is not for everybody, um, and there there will always be a, a sense of that. I mean, heck, Major League Baseball has had to change their rules to to try and get more people to watch this year. But the to to the people, I was more so speaking to the people that think that it that Tennessee baseball can't currently support even like six thousand consistently. I just think that those people are are They're totally wrong. wrong. They're wrong. Yes, that that's more so what I was discussing. Um, and and again, not trying to pit baseball and basketball against one another. I like what you had to say, Wes, um, about Tennessee's fan base being big enough to to support everybody. That that's part of about that's part of what makes Tennessee's fan base so great is that if it has Tennessee across the chest, people show up and and they support it. 
and and right now, like they are supporting all three sports at at a high level. I know again, I know basketball has been a little frustrating the last year or so, but people are still showing up in and supporting, and they're supporting football, basketball, and baseball right now. And we could even get into to the peripheral sports like softball. Well, softball, and, and softball's that, got a good vibe over there too. It does. Yes, it does, and people supported that during this run. Uh, as well so that that's my soapbox for, for this podcast uh will i, I kind of have two more points uh to to throw your way and get your thoughts on it a i, I think speaking of baseball in knoxville i mean it, it's at an all-time high i mean there's two new stadiums going up essentially uh lindsey nelson and and then the new stadium that the smokies are, are building downtown and and it's base baseball stock is up in knoxville and it's going to be a, a really cool scene when the smokies have their brand new ballpark and uh, folks are, are packing that thing out because they will certainly pack that thing out being downtown. Uh, and the Smokies already do great attendance-wise out there uh, off of the, the Gatlinburg exit, uh, Pigeon Forge exit, whatever. What, what, Severeville exit. Is Four, the 407, exit. just 407. Well, you know what it's now to me. The Bucky's exit is mm. is what it is now uh, to to me. So it's, it's, it's like, like it's, it's like two-thirds of the way to Will Heflin's uh, and my, my mom's professional home, yeah. Yeah, Kodak, whatever. We we all know that that's the the exit to go to Gatlinburg and Sevierville. I worked for the finding Zachary and filters. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and the the what the Chase Wallaces and uh, yeah. now now it's the fighting Dylan Lois uh, c- coming in here uh, next season. But I, I think baseball in Knoxville is going to be really cool here soon. Will it already is? But two brand new spanking ballparks uh, essentially next to each other in a sense will be really cool and i also wanted to ask you your thoughts on the potential of of lindsey nelson stadium no longer being lindsey nelson stadium tennessee has not decided that it's going to change the name uh, it doesn't necessarily have the intentions to change the name uh, but as a put possible way to help pay for the 100 million dollar renovations they've kind of earmarked seven eight million dollars of it uh to potentially sell the naming rights of the stadium to to anybody uh i'm curious your thoughts on do you think that they should change the name of lindsey nelson stadium would you be bothered if if they change that and, and just your perspective on on two brand new spanking stadiums in knoxville um to be quite frank, I pay a mortgage. I don't have time to worry about things like names. I couldn't care less. If they do change it, then, um, you know, we we appreciate your service, Lindsey Nelson, for as long as that was. Um, and we'll have to get used to a new name. Just don't name it something dumb, I guess. Um, but to you guys' point about Knoxville kind of becoming much more of a baseball town, it's kind of interesting to see – how quickly intelligent the fan base got when things opened up for COVID and we had just kind of become the hot new kids on block. It was kind of like we had a lot of Tennessee supporters, but they weren't necessarily baseball. And then like the past two years, just being in the stadium, you can just tell like most of the people there really know the game. And I agree with you, Ben, baseball is not for everybody, but it takes a little bit of intelligence and a little bit of savvy and it's just if if baseball is not really for you, then you may just not be like that sharp of a person. So maybe just look in the mirror. Um, but, you know, you guys both obviously know baseball very well. And it's just it's a very intimate and detailed and nuanced game. 
And so it's just it's kind of cool that Knoxville is becoming a, a baseball town very quickly because there's a lot of people here that really know the game. And you can feel that when you're in the hornet's nest, when Coach V's mad at, at Jeffrey Macias or whoever, whatever's going on, the fans kind of react a little bit differently than they did in 21. And they, they, they just know what's going on and they can almost kind of feel the game and the ebbs and flows of the game and kind of know how to cheer better. Um, it's almost like being in Neyland. Like everybody in Neyland pretty much knows what's going on. Right. And so you're, you're getting that in Lindsay Nelson and it's a good thing. And I'm not taking a shot at people who came to the games before then they may have known the game and, and their buddies that had never watched baseball before that they brought didn't know it. But I'm just saying that there's a heightened sense of baseball knowledge around Knoxville because so many more people are following the team and will have even more followers with the Smokies coming to town. And there are a lot of players around town too, and there always have been. I think people have known that for a while that that there have always been. You know, there's a couple of there's a few really good baseball schools, um, and, and by that I don't just mean like schools where they play. I mean like the ones where they develop kids and train kids. Like there there are players who come from this town and will continue to come from this town, and it'll be awkward at times because at the level Tennessee's playing at, there are going to be some very good local players that Tennessee is going to have to pass on because it's got, you know, what it thinks are better prospects coming from other places. They'll burn that. They'll, they'll cross that bridge when they get to it because you're already seeing it this year with a few kids who are even going to the SEC who Tennessee, they like them as prospects, but obviously there's other kids that they think are better fits for what they want to do. And I think that's important to realize is that as that happens, there's going to be more of those Randall Cobb type situations. It's just going to happen sometimes. It is for sure. Uh, was not ready for Will to call everybody dumb who, who doesn't like baseball. Uh, idiots, on, freaking idiots. It's a, it's a them problem. It's not a we problem. <laughs> I, I, you I can love speed it. up the game all you want. If you don't know baseball, you're not going to watch it and check yourself. It is. Although I, I have enjoyed the increased pace of play, and I'm somebody who will sit down and watch a, a complete baseball game w- without the pace of play rules. But I, I will say I have enjoyed them. I, I do think it has been. Uh, it is nice, but a Frank Anderson staff never needed a pitch clock. I mean, Camden's full of rapid fire. Get so. the ball and go, man. Get the ball and go. And, and, and it's Get that thing and go. And, and I, I, I kind of have always been frustrated by the hitters who – who took forever like those uh, maybe they didn't have to do it quite as quickly as they did in terms of making the clock what it is but it needed to be a clock and they need well there's actually always been one they just need to enforce it because those guys who check every freaking batting glove and do all that stuff like i used to i'd sit there catcher and be like dude what the hell are you doing just step in the box man i got my signal you got yours just go um those people yeah. just drive me nuts there's, there's just got to be a rhythm on both sides yes. and i think hitters have adapted to that really well um it was it was kind of a, a taut thing to just take your time and and make sure you're ready to go and even try to break the pitcher's momentum as a hitter um, and taking out that out of the game a little bit has just kind of made it more smooth. It certainly has, and there will be a lot of smooth baseball played in Knoxville as Tennessee smooths out Lindsey Nelson Stadium and. If they do change the name, I don't think it'll be the end of the world. I, I now I think changing Neyland Stadium. I think changing that name. I, I am completely anti uh, Neyland Stadium. But I also maybe I'm wrong for this. But I I think that 
uh, General Nealon meant much more to the football program than Lindsey Nelson did to the baseball program. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't blame Tennessee for for leaving that avenue open to to, to find a way to, to support Tony and and get this new stadium renovated and and things along that line to to get things done. I, I don't blame them for for per, pursuing or just leaving every avenue open. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Just again. don't do blah, blah, blah stadium at blah, blah, blah field. Don't, don't do that. Let's, let's not listen. If it's, if you're going to change it, make it two words, not three, make it smaller. It sounds better. It flows better. And also don't do like what Florida did, which is exec tech arena at Stephen O C O'Connell center. Cause I'll never write that. And nobody needs to write that. Cause it's stupid. So don't do that. That's my only request. Don't do that. Cause it's dumb. Well, I'm sure that they will do that because that's part of uh, giving the the naming rights away, it seems like, these days. But that'll do it for another edition of the Diamond Vols podcast. Uh, it's going to be another busy week. We we put out three for you last week. I uh, reacted to Chase Burns entering the portal. We reacted to Nate Sneed and Cannon Peebles committing. And we talked to Camden Sewell and had a lot of positive feedback on that podcast as well. So, uh, again, thank you very much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, Going to do our best to to give you three more this week. Uh, this one, uh, reacting to, to Ryan Galaney committing and also Lindsey Nelson Stadium renovations officially being announced. Uh, I think by the time we record on Wednesday with Joe Doyle, uh, who covers the MLB draft. Uh, we're going to get him on on Wednesday uh, to preview the draft and, and all the Vols in the draft. We'll, we'll probably put that out uh, Thursday morning or, or maybe Wednesday afternoon. I'll, I'll get with, with our producer, Wes, and, and see what happens there. But uh, I, I think it'll depend on if a player or two has announced by then where they are attending school. Uh, so hoping to uh, – Double team that podcast with with some commitment reaction and also uh, Joe Doyle talking MLB draft and, and then a third one uh, if Griffin Merritt ever texts me back uh, we will get him on the pod for a separate pod like we did with Camden Sewell uh, we'll probably try to put that one out Thursday morning so uh, I, I reached out to Griff last week and was like hey would love to write a story on on your year at Tennessee and he was like cool let's do it. And I said I'll hit you up next week. What did he like? And, what didn't he say? Like name the time, like name the day and time or something? Didn't he like say it like that? Like that's as strong as it can get. Like, bro, I will be there. Well, Wes, I wasn't done explaining what Sorry. I was explaining. Sorry, that that was over text, and then somebody requested that we get Griff on the pod uh, because uh, Ryan Galaney mentioned Griff. I wrote that, tweeted it. Uh, Becca, who listens tweeted does this mean that we're going to get griff on the pod so i asked griff on twitter griff you want to come on the pod he said sure name a time and place and i said say less and i texted him this morning and said griff want to come on the pod wednesday and he has ghosted me all day long i guess since i don't have former tennessee pitcher status that that i i don't get texts back from from certain people i mean it's like pulling teeth to, to get will heflin to text me back so i i, I don't know if i need true. i don't know if i need an honorary vfl card or or, what's, or something what's my what's my average text back time it's got to be uh, like three minutes no it's less than that you, you text back really really quick oh. now wes on the other hand I come from logistics, so West does West does West does not text back quick, uh, what whatsoever. When I'm having me time, I don't get a Which lot of it. Day. I don't get. Oh, I wish. I freaking wish. 
uh, if I'm out helping my dad doing something like outsider at the farm sometimes, not, not as quick then, um, because Lieutenant Aldo Reigns, Manorville, Tennessee does not have consistently great, uh, cell phone reception. But, uh, yeah, no, no, it's, uh, I, I see him, uh, usually I'll put it that way. Oh, that, that makes me feel so much better, but. Uh, my my main actually no I don't with, I, to- I totally don't it's a lie sometimes I just don't no see I know you don't you have the red receipts on and and you it always just says delivered for like eight hours and then you'll text back at one thirty I saw, I the, saw the one today I saw the one today I just was like I, I can't respond yet I'll just respond later you you text back at one thirty two o'clock in the morning and it's like hey uh, assume you're asleep well no ish Wes I'm asleep I was up at six thirty a.m. with a child have been up all day yes I am up and don't. I, I don't have weird sleeping patterns like you, Wesley. So, yeah, I am asleep, okay? So text me back the 10 hours prior when I texted you, okay? Here's a here here's a response. <laughs> uh, Wes is currently giving me the middle finger because he is a terrible person. But my long-winded way of saying, everybody tweet at Griff when you hear this and tell him to text me back, okay? Griff has always been great about getting back to me. Uh, last year when he committed... He was awesome about getting back to me for a story. He was always very kind and polite uh, throughout the season. Uh, last week, he texted me back quickly. He tweeted me back quickly. Everybody tweet at Griff and tell him to text me back so we can get him on the pod this week. Help me help y'all. I'm trying to do y'all a favor by giving y'all Griffin Merritt, who's an absolute blast. He'll be phenomenal on the podcast. Wes can attest. I'm sure Will can as well. And I know Will wants to get him on here and, and get to know him because Will didn't get to play with him. Uh, so hopefully, uh, Mr. Mr. Merritt will put dental school uh, aside. I'm just kidding. I don't even know if he's going to dental school. That's something that I want to ask him. Um, but the, the plan is three podcasts this week, this one, uh, MLB draft preview with somebody who covers the draft, uh, and then a sit down with Griffin Merritt, uh, very similar to, to what we did, uh, with, uh, Camden Sewell last week. And then I will be on a cruise next week and, uh, we're, we're going to try and pre-record one this week as well with redmond walsh to, to have for you next week as well get hef and, and redmond on here cutting up like uh hef was with the uh, sewell last week so uh, appreciate your time i will try to cut down on the rambling and all the the joking and joshing around on the next pod but will west i appreciate you putting up with me I, it's it's fun man it's fun where else would you rather be where else would you rather be i enjoy it go balls <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to go hey. try and what's that? Uh, I was just going to say, I'm not a big Twitter guy, but uh shout out your pal, Ned. He said I was good on the pod. So that guy's, if you made it this far, Mr. Ned, then there's your shout out. Appreciate you. If you made it this far, that's my cue to shut up, Ben, so I can, I can, I can go to bed. Shout out to Ned. He, he always supports the pod. Appreciate you, Ned. And, uh, I, I know Heflin will, will have your check in the mail because uh, I know he DM'd you and asked you to to tweet that at him or at me. It's on so, the way. Uh, it is on the way. Uh, this podcast is on the way because it is over. For Wes Rucker and Will Heflin, I'm Ben McKee. This has been another long edition of the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the GoVols247 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 
on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.